0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to Metaverse Musings, a research-focused podcast that's part of Delphi Digital. Together, we'll explore the foundations of what many believe to be the Internet's successor, a virtual extension of the natural world, where most of us will eventually live, work and play. To some, it represents our next great milestone as a network species, and to others, it is something to fear. With our guests, we explore the technology, philosophy and culture of this brave new world. If you're not yet subscribed to the Delphi Research Portal, then I fear for your soul you're missing out on the most incisive analysis that the digital asset space has to offer. Seriously, check it out. As a reminder to the DGens out there, nothing said in this podcast is solicitation to buy or sell any security or token or to make any financial decisions. Once again, this is not financial advice. Hey guys, and um, welcome back to another episode of Metaverse Musings. Today I'm delighted to introduce you to Peter, who is the founder of uh, Horizon, Horizon Games, who um, are both building Skyweaver, um, Sequence, the wallet that we're going to be discussing, and a few other cool products, which I'm sure we'll get into. Peter, thank you for joining us. Excited to have you here.
1: Thank you very much, Pierce. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, yeah, it's excited to excited
0: uh, for the chat. Yeah, could you um, could you set us off with a sort of a uh, general introduction for yourself, a bit about your background and kind of um, you know the, uh, your journey into crypto. For me,
1: I've been a, a lifelong programmer and uh, and builder. Um, you know, software to me is is very much so an art form um, and a way to express and connect with kind of the entire world. Right from my my seat here, um, you know, very passionate about making products, things that are really innovative and really never been done as we kind of you know, I'm kind of growing up on the internet. So kind of started on a computer when I was five because of video games. I got pulled into that, um, you know, back in the DOS world. So a little bit older than yourself, not not a dinosaur or anything like that, but, you know, just got got a few more years. Um, and yeah, so kind of started on that and just really got sucked into, then I got the internet at home, dial-up crazy shit, you know, and then got sucked in. Never, I never left it, never been out of the, the metaverse since I was 13 years old, you could say, right? Um, love programming, love making things, just again, back to kind of art. And um, yeah, so that's just kind of been some of my background. Also, um, obviously, I've been, you know, started companies very early on. I actually never had a job in my life. I've always kind of started projects and in, in different regards. I had uh, prior to Horizon, I had two companies beforehand, which did really well, and built them and a lot of learnings and a lot of cool products and a lot of cool things. You could, you know, Google it, um, not, you know, we'll focus on crypto. Um, also, I've been, you know, kind of self-taught, but also classically trained in software engineering, whatever. Um, but I, I'm very passionate about open source uh, technologies. I've always been passionate, even since in my teens. Um, I just love the idea. Again, back to the art, I think it's kind of the state of the art of the world in collaboration of making things, doing really cool, uh, cool works. So um, yeah, just always love that. And so I was, you know, so I've built a lot of interest, like in my prior, prior roles, I was the CTO of these companies. Um, I also, along the way, I always searched out like good architectures and system design. I you know, spent a lot of my time thinking about system design since architecture, sorry for this long story. Um, it's a really big question you asked me. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, you could look at some of my works on my GitHub. I'm really proud of it. I spent years in, into it. Uh, one project called uh, yeah, CHI, um, it's a Go middle microservice for uh, writing API servers in, in the Go world. It's, it's, it's quite popular, has 11,000 stars. Anyways, really well-tuned, really cool. Used by like Cloudflare, so I, I love infrastructure, love open source. So naturally, going to the crypto start a thing, um, you know, in, you know, I've been, a, you know, kind of, I mean, from Toronto, so um, I've naturally heard of, you know, even, you know, pre-Ethereum, but I heard of Ethereum and then Bitcoin. And so I was, um, you know, very interested in, in, when I heard of Bitcoin for the very first time, it might have been 2014, I, I don't remember around there or something. Um, but of course, the kind of this intersection of distributed systems, economics, and cryptography, um, were really fascinating to me um, and also and during my, my teens and so forth when looking at infrastructure, I was always very fascinated by distributed systems. Um, I just looked at them as kind of this, this more organic, you know, structure of resilience that are, that's like self-resilient, fault-tolerant, highly available. It's like kind of the holy grail of architectures. And so I, was, I always studied it, I always loved it. And I always wondered to myself, like, why isn't there a greater purpose for this distributed system stuff? Like, why isn't the internet just like flooded with this stuff, you know? And and it's, so when I first heard, of, as soon as I heard of Bitcoin, I was like, I knew it. I knew distributed systems had a superpower that was going to change the world. It was a really important kind of recipe of the internet, and and here it is. So naturally, guess what I was going to do in my next company? Well, I wasn't thinking Bitcoin, but when Ethereum came around, um, I saw an opportunity to do something really interesting. So something really creative, and the ability to kind of you know. So this was in, in when I had you know. Anyways, I was very committed to my my prior company to get that all finished. But um, in 2017, in the summertime, I was. Um, I was looking at, um, you know, knowing that my next company was going to be in Web3. I mean, it, it hit all the boxes for me. Open ecosystem, open source, next generation of the internet, uh, distributed systems, cryptography, all the interesting things. And somewhere that you can do some really creative work, some innovative stuff that hasn't really been done before. And that's just really fun to me, right? It's about the art form, their expression, the the innovation, the pioneering, just fun challenges, the exploration. This again, this is what got me. This is what I'm like, I knew I'm going to do something here. And then I'll just, I'll just pause it before I keep going on for the next three hours. Um, is to say that, you know, for me, I knew I, the, the, the essence of what I wanted to do in crypto back in, 20, in 2017 in the summertime when I had, you know, decided to commit to this was I wanted to make something that my friends could use. I wanted to do something fun. I didn't want to just make financial infrastructure. I knew it was on the basis of financial infrastructure and these protocols and around commerce and so forth but and economics, but I wanted to do something that my, my friends could just, could just do and use, you know, so that, that was it. And um, so that's what gaming made a ton of sense to me because gaming already has virtual economies, you know, and they've had virtual items forever. So it's like, clearly, this is an area that I want to explore. Um, so that I'll, I'll kind of pause it there.
0: No, no, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and then I, I guess it would be useful to... A, kind of like, um, I guess, give a, a quick sort of snapshot for, for those listening of, um, you know, the sort of core cool products you're launching. Obviously, you mentioned it was kind of like the game route that you were drawn to after being immersed in uh, in in uh, sort of this world. Um, I guess, yeah, first of all, it would be useful to get an overview of Horizon, of Sequence from you. And then, um, yeah, I kind of want to talk about, um, you know, what, just double click on that actual process of deciding, okay, I want to commit to building a game here. Um so yeah, first of all, if we could start with the overview of, of, of sort of both of uh, sequence and Horizon. So
1: yeah, Horizon. It's um, you know officially Horizon Blockchain Games, but we call it Horizon. It's really about kind of we like to say like you know adventuring into this new dimension of the internet, right? And exploring. We're explorers of this new dimension. To as as Web three has emerged, creating this new digital structure, right? Almost this new this new organic structure of where things are things are real. You can actually. Represent them in a way that is are quite digitally t- change, tangible, right? In the way that I could I could send you something and I have to forego it. I can't I can't replicate it. You know, um, it changes a lot of behavior and kind of the relationship we have with these things. So these are these are this was very recognizable um, as a part of what what Bitcoin is as a, as a fundamental. Um, and so Horizon was really about again how do we create how do we do creative cool things with this stuff, right? Um, today, you know, Horizon, which is really consistent with it in, in the gaming world for us. But yeah, so Horizon, it's really a Web3 products and infrastructure company where we focus on making Web3 fun, simple and accessible for everyone. It's kind of it, right? Web3 for everyone and just having fun with it. Right. Normal users. And we and for us, when we started on the path, it was always we started by saying we're going to make a video game because what's lacking in Web3 or blockchain on and we're very Ethereum focused as a, as a team. So you can see my background and stuff like this. We look at it as the, the, kind of the, the, the key and leading open protocols that represent Web3, but that's maybe a different point. Um, and so we were like, well, let's make the game because the world needs content. You know, We need people to do stuff with the, on these networks. So let's make the game, right? And let's make a trading card game like Skyweaver because of course, well, Skyweaver, um, you can actually, it's very analogous to having the ownership of, of a certain virtual item. You can have it, you can collect it. There's like a large set. You can have a, turn by, you know, a turn-based strategy game. There's clearly opportunities around, you know, video games, you get rewards. So clearly you, you'll have the ability to have like, um, you know, blockchain oriented rewards where so you get to own these things like, wow, that really changes the economics and the dynamic, right? So now you get to own and then you get to like call it, you know, in the, in the, kind of people call it, you know, play to earn, but I think maybe that's, I think a bit of a too strong of a connotation. I like the idea of like play to own because I, you know, that's a bit of a different topic as well, but, but clearly it, it changes, it, it creates, it changes the economy, you know, fundamentally, what we recognize in Horizon very early, even back in 2018, when we formally started, you know, quite literally in my kitchen table in, in January 2018, with uh, myself and uh, four other guys, um, we were fully committed. We were bought in. We we're like, we're making a video game, and we were we did our own. Hack- Anyways, those those are all fun stories. Like we did our own hackathons from Friday to Sunday night, just because we're like we're doing a hackathon, our own hackathon, just so we were push plowing through this stuff. Right, um, really fun, and again it's about well how do you make skyweaver how do you how do you, can you how can you how do you represent a digital virtual item on chain right and we were thinking of this originally I'll be honest it was this is pre crypto this was back in you know summer 2017 when we were ideating but, you know so how do you tokenize a digital item how do you what does gameplay mean right how should gameplay exist on a blockchain is it is the game should it be a smart contract the game logic or should it be off chain or is it provably fair um, how do you make sure the game can can persist decentrally in a way that the economy is kind of Um, you know reliable and then what is the economics look of a video game because now you're switching the economics from what would be not just a network, a closed network, you're turning it into an actual open economy that's kind of tethered and interoperable with the, these other big, you know, economies that have a certain liquidity and different properties. But, you know, you're, this isn't, you don't want people to be like, this is a game all about money because that's the wrong message. The future of gaming is not money, right? The future of gaming is to have fun, just like is the, the origins of gaming have been, right? But, the, but it's certainly nothing wrong with owning and having ownership and having a deeper relationship with these worlds as we already have. So that's Skyweaver. And then I got to tell you, man, sequence where it comes from,
0: literally by February. We were sitting there when, with Willie, my chief scientist. And- just, yeah, just before we dive into the sequence side of things, would love to just like, um, um, I mean, it's obviously awesome hearing kind of like the motivation and, and sort of the journey leading up to Skyweaver. But just um, if we could just do like a quick sort of overview of, um, you know, the style of game it is, sort of where you guys are at in that process. I know you recently just launched and obviously have a bunch of people involved already. I think um, it would be useful to give some color on that just before we jump into uh, sequence, which is uh, obviously a very exciting part of this whole uh, sort of um, offering. For sure, man.
1: I'm not trying to go ridiculous in every single like detail. Cause, uh, yeah, um, I want to yeah be respectful of that. Um, so yeah. Um, so Skyweaver, yeah, you know, it's, we've been working on it since January, 2018. And today, you know, we're in March, 2022, we fish, we did an open, we did our mainnet launch on Polygon I was, I on November 25th of 2021. Um, And it was a closed beta and then we did an open beta on February 8th of 2022. So it took took us a lot of time. So what Skyweaver is, take a step back, um, sorry about that, is... It's a trading card game like Magic, The Gathering, Hearthstone, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! and and these sorts of games. It's a turn-based strategy multiplayer game. One versus one player on the internet. You can play anyone on the whole internet. It's a globally distributed game. Like anybody can play. You're not country, region restricted. And it's a highly strategic game. We have 510 cards in the actual base set. And we have 15 different heroes and you kind of have different prisms and kind of combinations and interplay of these different cards and mechanics. The idea is you assemble a deck of cards of either 25 or 30 cards. And then you battle another opponent, right? So there's a lot of strategies to kind of strategize. How do I, what are the kind of, which class of cards do I want to play? What kind of game style play do I want to play? Because these cards have different types of mechanics and and feel um, and different strategies. You could think of it as like a chess, but like fantasy chess, you know, Um, and you have 510 different pieces you could potentially choose from. It's really, really crazy. It's very fast action paced. It's kind of this blend between Magic and Hearthstone. We had some really uh, wonderful game designers work us work, work with us. One of the guys, John, he was previously working on Magic the Gathering and then even worked on Legends of Runeterra. We didn't even know about Legends of Runeterra when we hired him because he's we always was released during and he's like, oh, I worked on that game too. I'm like, that's pretty cool, man. Um, really passionate guy about like lives and breathes card games. The guy was awesome. And we have Coulter, who's a savant of card games. So we, we're really good. And we've, again, very community first. So that's, that's the trading card game world. What I will say, there's a lot to say about Skyward, but I will say very interesting is that when we looked upon, you know, for us, the epiphany of with Horizon was, you know, with the intersection of what does the exploration of gaming look like in blockchain, it was really that, you know, the item is the currency, right? It's not like the item is the main asset. It's the thing of value, right? Versus like, and for us in, in the world of Sky, we were like, you know, if you buy it, you own it. This is the kind of the idea, right? So as much ownership as possible of these goods, these are the things that you're trading these are the things that are of value. Um, so that's kind of how we we've kind of thought of some of the primitives of the economy um, as virtual items as asset an asset class um and so yeah that was you know and there's a lot of different guiding focuses around the econ- economics of skyweaver that's a, a long conversation which i'm happy to have but once up at a time but so the um yeah what else are we talking about here so um yeah skyweaver so
0: yeah i, I want to say, obviously right. like during that kind of um ideation phase obviously you guys decided that Um, as you say, this sort of like tradable card game was pretty well suited to building a game on chain, right? And then um, obviously as you dug into that, um, sort of my understanding is that, uh, you know, in terms of building that out through the process of exploring all of that is sort of where um, you realize the need for something like Sequence, right? Which uh, which hopefully you can give us an overview of of like what the wallet's trying to achieve, some of its unique sort of differentiators um, and similarly, sort of like where you guys are at in in the process of that, um, you know, project timeline.
1: Yeah, so I will say Skyward is doing awesome, and please join our Discord and check it out. We have tons of players. I will just finish off by saying, it's it's been such a it's been such an inspiration to see the teams work. Obviously, we're all working really hard to see what's emerged through all the intention and all you know all, all the stamina, um, and 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 really like it's uh, the game is very special. I mean, obviously, like. We have players that are world champions of Hearthstone, we have world champions of Pokemon, we have world champions of... We have guys who are some of the best Magic the Gathering players today right now saying they're playing more Skyward than they are Magic. You know, the game is hitting well, it's beautiful, and we're, we very much care about the video game in the community and to you know maintain its integrity. Um, I will just say, before I go on to the sequence thing, I want to just also give a shout out, of course, to my team who, who helped make it. Today, you know, when we started the company, it was me and four dudes um and my wife who's helping us as well she's always supporting us no doubt uh, to this day um you know yeah so like um now we're 45 people across 15 countries now we are canadian kind of bait we're a canadian company canadian base but we're across we're across 15 countries it's, it's just super amazing it's a, a we've always been distributed always part of open ecosystem in terms of back to the sequence thread sorry a little bit a little bit of a tangent there just wanted to kind of add a little bit of color i think it's very cool um So, like I was saying, was we started Skyweaver in January twenty eighteen, but by February of twenty eighteen, the next month, we were literally saying like this is a game we're not making just for crypto like experts. We're saying this is going to be a game that my friends can play. I have a a whole group of friends that are like obsessed with magic. You know what I mean? And now they actually some of them are playing Skyweaver, which is really cool. One of my best friends is absolutely obsessed with Skyweaver, which is you know a great testament. It makes me really happy. Um, Anyways, so anyways, so. I was like, I want, and he doesn't know anything about crypto. This is his first crypto, you know, this is, he's just getting into crypto now. So um, in any case, like, but that was the goal back in, in in 2018. So we knew right away, we had to make a wallet. The wallet was the gateway, the wallet was the access point that the users and interface, just kind of like ready player one, it's like the goggles. It's, it's how you can, or like a web browser in, in, in kind of our world right now. You it's, it's it's part and parcel of being able to interface and ride these web three kind of networks. So a wallet was very clear that we needed to have. Um, and and so what sequence was so we actually kept we've actually worked on four different versions of a wallet right so what sequence is today after many versions internally and different things that are not you know through research and a lot of work and scalability and seeing how the evolution of the protocols and how everything connects is really what we strive to do is how do you make us you know you know we call sequence the smartest wallet on web3 and it is actually a, so it's a it's it's all about seamless user experiences for accessing the Ethereum ecosystem of networks. So a wallet made for the metaverse or made for gamers or made for fun. Um, you know, again, that's made for the casual user. But since we have coming from kind of the game use case, um, you know, it, it, it is, it's kind of, it's designed to be, you know, accessing all of these applications in a really pure and web three way. Like we, it's a non, it's a self custodial, non-custodial wallet, which is really special. Um, in that you can access the networks directly. You don't have to move it to like you know a trusted intermediary, and then so you can get scalability like a centralized exchange or something like this. No, you can you can use Web three proper, full Web three, right? And there's a lot of challenges. i I can talk about you know what that sequence really focuses on, but I will say one of the differentiators. Yes, it's about seamless user experience. But one of the differentiators um, is about um, is that it's a smart contract based wallet. So the actual account type is is a smart contract. Um, what I'll say before I go into some of those technical details and all the crazy you know stuff of what makes it you know really cool and stand out and on it's, its its unique um, is kind of a little bit about the thread you know um, with Skyweaver right? Like because Sequence came out of the out of through the building of, of Skyweaver right? It was like how can if if we want to deliver this to normal people you know back in the day years ago. Um, there, you know, we knew like, Ethereum, we, were, we were hopeful to see how Ethereum would scale, even though our, uh, the economy is on chain and the assets are on chain, but the gas fees are still too expensive to be interfacing naturally on these, on these different systems. As we all have come to realize very quickly, there was a lot of research around state channels and plasma and, and, um, side chains, and those are kind of the main things. And then we, the world discovered optimistic rollups and then there's ZK rollups. Um, which we, you know, we very quickly kind of realized, um, which was very exciting to us many years ago. But so we we were very focused around the kind of the, so it was like, where where do we even deploy this thing? So we, again, focusing on, we, we very quickly kind of focused on Polygon or Matic at the time um, in terms of deploying our economy. We knew that was going to be a thing. So we could see that our wallet was going to, it was going to be important that it was multi-chain, right? The fact that our application had to be there, we knew there had to be interoperability across these chains. What was great to see, of course, was that there was a, a compatibility of these networks such that again, the multi-chain ecosystem was was very obvious to us in um, the compatibility, looking at like web three as a set of protocols that are kind of being driven by, you know, the EVM and the, the theorem kind of nodes and JSON RPC endpoints and things like this, such that the tooling and the experiences could all be kind of in the contracts could all, um, you know, interoperate. And that would, so we, we focused on Skyweaver there and then we just th- thought about how do we, you know, yeah, that was kind of it. And so why we eventually Oh, the other big so,
0: sorry yeah no yeah, I, I was just gonna ask so like um you know when you're talking about the sort of multi-chain approach and seeing that there's this um you know network of compatible sort of protocols and stuff there i assume you're just talking about sort of evm compatibility right because already you're on sort of polygon i think um and maybe if you could touch upon some of the other scalability solutions that you guys either have sort of live or in production um and then i just want to double tick d- double click before we go Deeper on some of the high level functionality, like, you know, the social sign on the NFT support, etc. So, yeah, if we could start about where you're at in terms of um, those multiple chains that you currently have integrated and then just, uh, yeah, do some sort of high level overview of some of the functionality unlocked.
1: The approach we're taking is to find like a fully integrated system that will solve across many different kind of facets of an issue. One of those issues, of course, is scalability, interoperability um we we do when we say multi-chain is true it is really like homogeneous multi-chain because we're very focused on the ethereum compatible set of networks so of course ethereum mainnet proper all the various you know test nets on ethereum and uh we're also very you know focused on polygon um we've been really like using polygon as as an amazing it's a fantastic network fantastic team where we have skybird deployed um it just so happens like it's it's a really incredibly growing well-growing ecosystem um we are, are in the process of adding which is not crazy but it's as you'll see, there's some extra infrastructure that we have. Services to how we extend Ethereum's capability, even extend the kind of the the, the base functionality of an Ethereum node with transaction relaying um, on meta transactions. Um, that and even our indexer that kind of in- increases some of the the uh, the infrastructure there. But we're uh, we're also going to be deploying on Arbitrum, Optimism, Binance Smart Chain, uh, Avalanche, Phantom, and any other notable Ethereum chain. To be quite honest, right and even as we we're won't talk about it now, but as layer three sort of things start emerging, when you start seeing like uh even like Arbitrum's Antitrust or Polygon Edge, we're gonna support those as well, right? And then we get this cool interoperability across all of them. So the idea I I guess to take a high level is for sequence to really be, you know, it's it's this gateway, it's like it's 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 just like internet, right? It's like you're not you're not thinking about like like what what website, what server of website am I on? I better change my network to like Cloudflare or something like this, if I'm on a, going on a website, that's weird, right? I'm just going to the website, right? I'm just going to the depth. I just want to do the thing, right? So yes. in the same way, like these networks in the Ethereum ecosystem, they're all going to feel like one. And Sequence's job is to make sure that it can interface with all these networks in a way that's consistent and dApps. And, it, and to the user, they don't care what network they're on. They can see it on. They can see the assets and they, it just starts flowing. It's very seamless. This is, this is the whole intent of a multi-chain design is for everything to feel like, you know, Ethereum is no longer one network. It's really... Uh, an ecosystem of networks. It's, it's a you know it's a it really is an ecosystem of networks. So that's that's the that's the kind of the the philosophy and the architecture at which we have developed um, to ach- to to achieve that that end game.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sort of on like almost the the end side there, obviously you're allowing your users to sort of you know tap into this growing ecosystem of networks as you described it. That is you know um, the modern Ethereum that, that all these sort of EVM compatible chains that that you're sort of able to to, to tap into. Um, and then like maybe we can talk about, you know, from the user perspective on the front end, I know you guys have spent a lot of time, a lot of energy on sort of uh, streamlining this aspect, um, again, from things like sort of the social sign on to being able to manage NFTs directly in your wallet and some of the other integrations you have. Could, could you maybe just talk us through like, you know, from the user perspective, um, what can be expected?
1: Yeah. So as you kind of, you know, are mentioning, we have the so- we have a social sign on. So um, the... Yeah, so we have we can you can log in with your email, your Google, your Facebook, your Discord, your Twitch. Um, how we do that is we actually leverage a partner. Uh, they're now called Web3 Auth. Previously they were named Taurus. Uh, they actually have a pretty cool distributed key generation system where you can log in with like a you know a social credential, and they'll generate you over like a split key um, for your credential only that you, only you as a user has, um, and then you're able to kind of log in. And it's a it's a non custodial system because at rest it doesn't sit anywhere, and then it's like the whole key in, in full. Um, that's that's kind of their system. We you know so we, we use them and they've been they've been awesome, um, but since we're a smart contract wallet, right? We're actually like your account is not just a single key. That's what you're you have a multitude of keys on per device or in, in different ways that you can configure these things. So Taurus becomes one of our login keys, and then you create an on-device session key, and you also have a guardian key, and you can even have more keys. So that's it's, it is a multi-sig wallet for yourself without with, in a really way that's like that a Web two user is using right. That's kind of the whole intent. So how do we create this crazy powerful wallet? right, even more powerful than a normal Ethereum wallet that can do things that any other wallet can't. Um, It's multi-key, it's more secure, and you have better recovery um, and it's easier to use and it's non-custodial, right? It's like all these things that are like, that's what it is about, right? So you have the social login. What's also, we are adding, we don't presently have it, but we are gonna be adding like for the pro users, the ability to log in with like a private key so you don't have to use a social credential if you don't want, you wanna go full private key proper, you're still going to create a smart wallet. You can you can kind of manage your own keys, or you know have different devices and so forth. But you don't need to use a social credential. You can kind of log in um, with by just through the session key, essentially. So that's kind of like more Metamask style. So you know if you're you know DeFi, DGEN, you know, or you want to go full privacy, a little bit more privacy on that, you know, stuff like this. Um, so the login is really key. Um, yeah, it's going to be pretty. It's, 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 we're really excited. We have, we have a great roadmap as well. Um, other you know things that are like I'll just mention. So you, the other cool thing about the Sequence Wallet is it integrates kind of like, so it's Web3, but it integrates kind of like a PayPal or like a Stripe, right? You can like drop an SDK in and you can like, you know, run a few commands and the thing pops up with great, with good security and actually offering the kind of the ability for your DApp, your application to start using the Web3 different set of sets of networks, right? So whereas PayPal, you're using like, you know, Fiat, how do I, inter- but now you can suddenly start doing in full all Web3 things. So that's pretty cool. Um, so maintaining the full fidelity of what MetaMask can do, we can do as well. Now, we have, a, but so you can, and yet the user, from the user perspective, they don't have to install anything. They can just show up, like if you try Skyweaver, but although, and you can use that, and since it's Sequence is web-based, you can also go to sequence.app, you can use it directly, you can log in one place and then have this other kind of application that gets connected. Um, since it's using web technologies, it's, again, it's pretty ubiquitous. It also works on mobile, it works on mobile like in full. You can just access it on your phone. If if an if you're, if, Sky, if an application like a DAP has integrated sequence in this way that I'm describing, it'll just automatically work on your phone, on Androids and iPhones, like it'll just work like a PayPal or a script, it just, just happens. Yet it's not custodial or it's self-custodial to the user, and it just and it just runs on across all these different contracts, across all the network, across all these different networks, which is pretty cool. And then on the other side, we also have a Chrome extension. Because what if Adap hasn't specifically made the sequence integration? Well, in that case, um, well, you could, we are going to be releasing a sequence mobile app, so you could go and kind of ride those things. But Or you can download, install the Chrome extension, uh, which pane of functions exactly like MetaMask is the exact same kind of interface. And then you're able to kind of go and, uh, you know, do your thing, right? It connect the wallet and then start executing transactions, signing messages and so forth. Um, part of things I'll say that, yeah, uh, and there's, so that's it. And the other thing that we really focused on is looking at all the pro the classical problems. Of the user experience, the user journey as they enter Web three in, in a traditional sense, and just knocking them down, right, and just taking taking care of them to make sure that uh, you know users don't don't hit these these
0: problems. Absolutely, yeah, and then like um you know the other aspect of it that I really love is like you know you pull up your wallet, you see your Matic sitting there, your Ethereum sitting there across each chain, and then you can see on a per game basis your entire you know game specific inventory basically right you can see all of your nfts in that interface um i know you guys have spent a lot of time around sort of um you know arc 1155 stuff working on the the nifty swap functionality so maybe you can talk to us a little bit about um you know the unique functionality that you guys have pioneered in terms of having an integrated again inventory wallet experience where your items as well as your currencies sit um yeah it would be great if you could give some color on that
1: for sure, man. So, um, yeah, th- thanks uh, Thanks for asking all the good questions and directing me here because it, it goes deep, man. The iceberg is, is deep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, yeah, one thing that's pretty cool, Skyweaver. and like, so, okay, so something that really guides us and why we're so passionate about Web3 is because it is like, it is the web. We, we do look at it upon as the truest form of the next generation and evolution of the internet, right? Which is just so cool, right? To be building. Into in the future, right? Um, and a part of that are open protocols, you know, and open standards, right? Standards really drive, um, you know, the exponential productivity of creators and applications and ecosystems that build around them, and and all the so they're they're, they're very important. Um, so yeah, when we were obviously designing the Skyweaver, uh, Philippe Casseguay on our team, our director of product, awesome guy, he you know. We were we were specking out literally what is the is the ERC eleven fifty five and we were about to make a post on it when like like two days before he's like oh dude the guys from Engine just made a open up a ticket about this it sounds exactly what we're talking about our entries look the same we're like well and well there's but there's some nuances you know so like like well where this is interoperability, man, standards. Let, let's get in there. Let's, let's start, let's shape it. Let's do this, you know? So Philippe did that. He, he did a great job. He made a great implementation of the 1155, which we use highly efficient. It's been years, you know, um, it's been audited a bunch of times. It's, it's one of, I would say it had the balance packing feature. It makes it one of the most efficient, you know, on-chain uh, 1155 implementations out there. Obviously it's been, it's been used by Skyweaver. It's also used by OpenSea. Actually OpenSea has been using it as well. You can check their GitHub and see the fork and so forth.
0: Um but yeah 1155 is really cool open standards are really cool just to zoom out a little bit then for those listening that might not be super in the weeds with it I know you're um very passionate on the technical side around this stuff maybe you could give us just a quick summary um, you know of you know ERC 721 versus 1155 just high level key differences and why you guys have opted to lean into the 1155 side especially with your own Skyweaver implementation
1: Yeah so there's kind of, I guess there's like three, the token stuff. So there's like, we all know fungible tokens, ERC-20, then the non-fungible 721, one of a kind. And then really what there was a bit of a gap on was, well, like in the world of gaming, like in a Skyweaver card, like in the world of magic, like you don't have just like, like you have like a certain number of copies of a particular card, right? In gaming, it's very common. You might have ammunition or, you know, a sword or a gun or, or a something, you know, or a card. And like you have a certain quantity. Um, and so that's really, you can call it like a semi-fungible asset. Um, and that's really where kind of like the 1155 kind of emerged out of that need. It's no surprise why Engine was thinking the same thing given their, you know, background in gaming as well. Um, and so what, what's what's interesting about it is that's pretty much it, right? What people do is instead of like having one of only one, well, you can have actually maybe have 10 of it. Or you can have a thousand or you can have like a gazillion of it. Or you maybe, or you could even in an 1155, you could say there's only one of it, right? There's a token identifier and you can specify like, you know, the, so the ID of it, which represents that actual good. And then you can specify what's that going to be the quantity of it and in the max kind of quantity. And, that, and, that's, and, that, and you can do... And there's a lot of efficiency i will say in the 1155 because it's actually like a superset of the erc20 and the 721 right that's the that's why i always call it really the holy grail of token centers and as other people have said so as well other blockchain ecosystems are even copying 1155 um, and referencing and even asking us for help on protocol design but of course we're not doing that because we're doing our thing um but so where what i really love about the 1155 and maybe connecting it a little bit to i think it's really well suited for gaming I mean, obviously for like profile pictures and for art, I think one of ones make absolute sense, but you could still use 1155, but there's a purity, there's a little bit of an eco. there's a community behind the 720s. It makes a lot of sense. It's all good. 1155s, um, it's interesting when you start thinking about the markets around them, especially that's why we kind of created Nifty Swap and why we created our market marketplace in the first place. Like why are we making a third product? It's ridiculous. You know, it's because we wanted to, again, achieve the best, right? We wanted to achieve the best for Skyweaver, achieve the best for a wallet, achieve the best for our users. That's it, right? It's really that simple. Um, and so... We had to make it. We had to make, and Nifty Swap is two years old, right? It's built, it's, it's what's powering the, the, the Skyway markets. So and what it is, it's an 1155 liquidity-based DEX. So it's an exchange for swapping 1155-type $1, assets for like a base currency like USDC or ETH or whatever, some ERC-20 for an 1155-type $1, good. And what I'll say about 1155 is you can, what's cool is you have one contract that can have like a basket of lots of assets, right? Um, which is kind of, cool. You, there's, there's like kind of, that's what we call the multi-token standard. You can have multiple, anyways. So the Nifty Swap is really cool because, um, yeah, you can actually, the, it's, a, it's a fully decentralized DEX. It's more like Uniswap for 1155s um, in that you have the liquidities posted up on both sides of the market. So there's no order book-based system. You actually kind of are just swapping across these currencies. Each ask, each token ID has its own bonding curve, essentially, has its own price. Has its, you can even be a liquidity provider. It has really interesting properties. I mean, you can generate 1% yield if you're a liquidity provider, actually, even on the Skyweaver Marketplace. So that's kind of standard. It integrates the royalty um, uh, EIP. I forget the name. It's like I don't know if it's like twenty nine seventy eight or seventy one. So I forget the exact royalty standard. Um, it, it has that fully integrated as well, so that if you have, if you are a creator um, of a good and your tokens contract, r fifty five does implement it, or if another token contract, you know, implements it, then your Nifty Swap, you're actually going to be getting a royalty fee part of the actual swap, which is really cool. The liquidity part gets their money, um, and it just kind of works. And you have what's really nice about the L fifty five and the combination of all this stuff is you have healthier, what I would say, and this is why we're really excited about Nifty Swap. we're going to push this thing in a big way, um, is that it actually creates healthier markets. It help, it creates more, it cr- because you have instant liquidity, you have price discovery, right? You know the price of an asset, you know very well because it's on-chain, right? And anyone can, you can always sell that good, if, as long as you have, because the liquidity is literally on-chain. Now, you don't know what price you're going to sell, but you can always sell it, um, and perhaps you, it's possible that it could be fully sold out as well, but I mean, yeah, that is a thing. Um, so yeah, very interesting kind of design space. And I, so that's the 1155. That's some of the, the properties of Nifty Swap. Um, and again, we're yeah, that's, hopefully that's a good summary so far. No, absolutely. It is.
0: I guess all of these things come together. Obviously, obviously, as you say, you have this, uh, uh, strong focus just on, on sort of delivering the best um, technically that you could possibly sort of achieve for your users. Um, now that sort of Skyweaver is in the wild, um, you know, Sequence is up and running, obviously you have a bunch of sort of integrations there on, on the chain side. Um, where are you guys at in the roadmap? What's the current focus? Um, you know, what's the next six months for, for you with Sequence? What are some of the sort of like partners you'd like to deploy with? Um, yeah, what's kind of like the, the rollout strategy for this stuff?
1: That's a great question. Um, that's top of mind. That's top of mind, right? So um, yeah, you know, we spent a lot of time building really strong foundations, good architectures, seeking out kind of the path, like the answer to the right structure for op- delivering these things. There's, again, a ton of iteration in the, lo- in the process. Like I said, a lot of different versions of the wallet, um, we landed on a smart contract wallet and there's, I mean, I did do a talk called road to web three. It goes really in, de- in deep into like s- the sequence, like all the problems and things we solve. Like I don't want reiter- to regurgitate that talk, but that's a good one. Um, and so, but yeah, so for us, you know, we have Skyweaver, we very much care about the Skyweaver community. We have a wonderful roadmap for Skyweaver and the economy at which and even the gameplay and everything that at which is evolving. Very excited, very important to us. Um, what we're really excited about for Horizon is we look at ourselves as a company, as it's always been, um, is about how do we increase the utility of Web3? How do we create more utility in Web3? It's not just about our like holding and hodling crypto. It's about what you do with your crypto right? So that's why we made the game. and sequence, we want to enable other creators to go and build, you know, interface and add Web3 components or pure, you know, from ground zero applications. So we want to make it and we want it to feel like the web, they can onboard Web2 users, they can use protocols, that they're going to work and they're still going to get, you know, you know, they're not going to be, we don't want someone who builds, on, it's, building on Web3 is different, right? Because building on Web3 means you're building on an open system, right? You're not building on like, you're not, you're not signing a SaaS contract with me you know you're just you're just using these open protocols usually open using these open systems very different right um, which is very cool to explore that stuff so we're excited to again to help these creators do that in a way that they can you know have feel their own and they can and as it is and they can and they can have a full fidelity without compromising some of the complexities and the details of even having deep blockchain knowledge what i would even go to the extent of saying that a lot of people or developers shouldn't even have to build their own smart contracts because there are so many um, standard library, wonderful contracts out there that you can kind of plug and play that are well, that are vetted, that are used, that are, you know, follow the specification of standards um, that have been, you know, uh, that have been used. Yeah. That are, again, audited, I said, the um, things like Open Zeppelin or our contracts and, and a lot of other projects. Um, and yeah, so for us, it's like, how do we let more developers in by simplifying even kind of some of the requirements around doing things um, on chain? we do a lot of work around meta transactions um in the relay that we have that actually lets you um do things like batching transactions parallel transactions gas even not worrying about re- pricing of transactions um you know although it's incorporated but you can and you can have you can pay your your fees in a lot of different companies so this is available to developers as well this is the idea is we actually simplify the developer process while actually offering more power because they have to think about less things because this, the infrastructure takes care of it for them right um so that's pretty cool um and as you alluded we we also have the indexer. That's why you, when you pop into the the actual like we very you know when we, when you pop into the wallet and you see all your assets right away, it's because we've actually are indexing the entire chain for with all the token metadata. And we have no token registry, which is really cool. So if you mint an asset from like from scratch right the second, you're gonna it's gonna show up in your wallet right away because we actually index it based on the standard, not based on the contract address, right? So it's really cool for that as well, and it's very efficient and, we're, and it's, it's very 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 special. Um, and we make that available for developers as well so they can easily render different metadata and stuff like this. You know, some of the docs are a little bit lacking on in the index from the metadata part. But anyways, our roadmap is all about, again, we're already, what's really cool is if, you know, if you're building for Ethereum, well, then you can already start using Sequence, right? Because we're just an Ethereum compatible wallet, right? We have a few SDKs. We have some cool docs. Um, we have Fiat OnRamp built in. We actually have this really cool NFT checkout system we're, we're doing right now um, with Wire. We're doing like some really crazy shit, I'll say. Um, and that's going to really help with liquidity. Some of the, you know, we're taking a lot of learnings, of course, like it's, it's literally we're, we're dog fooding every single day or do- every single day. Like as we build sky, we were to make it make a lot of money.
0: I, I want to quickly double, double click on that part there around, um, you know, sort of your checkout experience as well. Like the guy, the, the way you guys are built, um, over there, like as an example of what this functionality unlocks is you're sort of almost e-commerce like checkout experience right where you can literally like check all the assets you want to buy in a basket and then in a single transaction as you say you bundle them all and you're done it's not like fucking around buying one one at a time on OpenSea, like all this terrible ux you see elsewhere so like yeah i just wanted to touch upon that because it's a really clean example of how all of this brilliant technical stuff you're describing comes together um i also wanted to ask obviously look you, you you've um you know, founded a bunch of companies um, in the Web2 space. Obviously, you're well into the journey here. Uh, you've been a pretty major sort of open source contributor for a number of years now. Um, you know, beyond the problems you're solving, just more generally looking at the Ethereum landscape. And, you know, you, you said you have this road to Web3 talk. I haven't actually seen it. We'll check it in the show notes. You might you might cover some of this in here. But, um, what do you see as some of the big architectural and technological obstacles um, that if you weren't so dedicated to, you know, solving these problems here, you you might be working on? Which are some of the other pieces that you think need to fall into place before the true vision of, you know, the successor to the internet sort of comes to life? Yeah,
1: wicked questions. And yeah, so I'll go through the first and second one. Um, dude, and you, you, so back to the first one about the marketplace. And yeah, so the e-commerce like experience of it, you really pinpointed the perfect place. Because it is really that very point that connects everything, that requires everything to make it feel that way, right? It requires the wallet login, no problem. It requires meta-transactions, gasless transactions. It requires not knowing how to, you know, trying to price a gas, you know, the, the gas limits of things. It requires not worrying about nonces, just firing forgetting things. It requires um you know nifty swap because again, because on-chain liquidity, even though you could do you could do that same thing with like not nifty swap, but nifty swap even does make it even cooler because on the selling side, our e-commerce experience is the same. On the selling side, you go on, the, you click selling, go ding, 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 sell, boom, it's gone. You got your money. See ya, you know, it's really cool. And and so yeah, um, so some of that, and what's really cool also say about Skyweaver, and this is this is exactly the intention we had set, right? That we actually were out there and saying like our market needs to feel like an e-commerce like experience. It needs to feel like an e-commerce store. It actually needs to feel better than e-commerce because you're getting a digital good. I don't have to wait. For Amazon to ship it over to my house, I'm gonna get it right now. You know, which is even even crazier, right? It's even better than Amazon, right? And um, so in any case, it's funny because you get it right away. Get it, you get your good or sell your good right away. Um, but so in how one of the things we wanted to do in Skyweaver was anybody so we didn't it's a free-to-play game. And the reason I'm suggesting I go back to Skyweaver is because again, I because I care about it, but because also I think it's very I think it's gonna help other games as well, or other other projects, which is that Anybody can play, um, and you don't have to be an Ethereum expert or have any knowledge of Ethereum. You don't even have to have any Ethereum in the first place or any Matic. You have to have no, you have to have any currency, you know. Um, You don't have to prove your KYC or any of this this stuff because, you know, you're taking self-custody of your your interactions. Um, And you can play the video game, and you can, through it, you can actually unlock and win blockchain-oriented items that have a market value. And then you could actually play, win... And click on a button and you could sell. And you can now actually achieve getting to Ethereum, or you know, getting USDC, which you can then swap for Ethereum, by playing a video game, you know? And you can do that because the wallet lets you actually sell without ever having any gas token in it whatsoever, right? Because there's the meta transaction capability that lets you do that. Because what we've also do is there's this thing called sponsor transactions, which means that, it, that certain contracts are whitelisted, so you don't have to pay gas for them in the first place, like zero gas, right? So that right and i think we got it we definitely got it you can be you could be you could be anyone in the world
0: no i lo- i love that i think it's um yeah i i think that's i mean obviously when you look at the ux the onboarding ux of a lot of these other sort of um you know popular games out there like this is a a massive step up and i i do think that's a a great thing to point out the example that you could just come in as a free player you know level up in the game basically Sell some stuff uh, without having to have any ETH in your wallet and, and and sort of be off to the races, which is uh which is awesome. Um, but yeah, so so I want to zoom out a bit, like sort of sort of beyond um beyond these two projects, and yeah, just sort of like uh ask that question again about what some of the other big you know architectural technological obstacles are in this space that you're sort of keeping an eye on. Um, curious for your uh for your uh, take on that.
1: You know, I think naturally having still these networks, although like you know, we're on Polygon, Polygon's great. Um, our, all these other networks are really wonderful. There's, there were still, you know, if a if, if hundred million users dropped into these networks right now, things would be at contention. There's no question, right? So um, the networks, the transactions, the marketplaces, the gas, everything, right? So definitely we need these systems like, you know, blockchain research, you know, proper on an, an L1 and an L2 space, which are really different kind of you know, types of architectures actually, very different architectures um, in constructions, but although have a, have a deep interplay, so I mean I, I love I love the work that I think it, you know just to say obviously Ethereum Ethereum two what it's doing with data sharding everything like this is very interesting and as a data availability, data availability layer I do look at a Ethereum network like layer one I, I'm really I really love the work that Ethereum two is doing of course I've read a bunch of the source code of the Prism client I've actually read most of it um, it's really cool it's coming along really well I I think you know as a data shard what's a, yeah so that's really really big. I would I would I wish that I was working on this stuff too because it's like so cool um, but there's so many people that are doing an amazing job I wanted to just be like you know, I'm going to, I'm going to help on the app side. I'm going to, I'm going to help on like the, the, I'm going to, I'm going to help with like get pushing this thing on the other side. Right. So, but I wish I, another, I really wish I was working on that stuff too, but it does require deep, crazy work, deep, thoughtful, crazy work. It's not, it's like no joke. Right. That's, that's a Right. Um, So you, you don't do that stuff part time. So, but what what's happening with Ethereum obviously is in kind of research and where I think to state of the world and da, 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 all the stuff. Right. Um, Is, you know, it's, it's just going to be for the most part, it's going to be a place where protocols are settling on. I don't think any, I don't believe dApps should belong on the layer one. I don't belong, I don't believe dApps belong on, on Ethereum, mainnet, right? That's how I think it's going to go, right? It's just really going to be like optimistic roll-ups or zero-knowledge roll-ups actually going and submitting their their proofs or onto the onto the main chain. And that's going to give us what it's going to do for layer twos, which is, it's already kind of happening. So like maybe some people know this, people, a lot of people know this, some people don't, who are not like looking at it, um, but to a layer two, and Ethereum, when, when Ethereum 2 comes out with this data sharding, it's going to be like a multiplier. It's a gas multiplier. Suddenly you have like way more, your throughput's going to go up go up by 64 times, right? So whatever whatever the actual like network throughput is, then you got the sharding and then you go, you know, 64 times because this really becomes like a data availability, like in a network with like a kind of approving system potentially, right? Like adjudication system that can actually speak the same kind of virtual machine, which is really important. I don't think it's enough just to have like storage, you know? Um, but the layer twos are doing crazy cool work. Like obviously I'm a big fan of Arbitrum. I'm a big fan of Optimism, big fan of uh, Polygon. Polygon is a, a, you know, is actually a layer one, um, really it's Ethereum compatible, but they're doing some really cool work. Polygon edge. They they still have sufficient, you know, great network. they are doing really cool stuff with the Hermes protocol. Anyway, so back to just research proper network infrastructure. So I'll just kind of say that there's, what's amazing is it's so clear to everybody. This is an executional time. This is not a, this is not a discovery time. Right? This is not a time like three years ago when everyone was looking for the right architecture and construction. This is very well determined. It's being really well done, created right now. It's entirely the path is forward. Um, so that's, that's where that is. And that's why, and I do look at it as like there's a lot of change, a lot of different networks. I think there will be even situations, I mean, in terms of next steps that I think, I think it makes a lot of sense for this idea of like a layer three. And a layer three would be essentially where an application, even such as like a Skyweaver, would actually operate on its own blockchain, you know, because we want to, maybe we, maybe Skyweaver itself has a hundred million users, you know, there's an app and they really want to be able to just kind of not have any like other applications come in and do kind of like, unfor- like, you know, call it a um, naive economic that gets botted or something and starts skyrocketing. Like there's always going to be gas in, because there has to be, it's a kind of a protection system, right? Um, but it's still going to have really high throughput on these different systems, but you still kind of need to in, uh, impart that. So a layer three would be, you know, a dedicated up, you know, a kind of a an application chain, or maybe even for a small ecosystem of different, you know, like Skyweaver's ecosystem, right? Um, and the idea is though, just in the same way that the layer two is secured by the layer one, the layer three would be secured by the layer two, right? Um, and of course, as you can imagine, it's really important we have interoperability, which is why it's really cool that we see all this bridging, all these this great innovation happening in bridging um, with hot protocol, with connects, with, you know, a uh, company called Socket. I'm a really big fan of those guys. We actually have, so- we're actually integrating Socket directly. We just released really Skyweaver swap integration directly inside of S- a sequence, sorry. Swap integration side of uh, sequence and we're integrating sock so we can actually like instantly bridge and move assets really really easily across all the different chains and then of course all that bridging work is going to start and is really cool because it actually it's an aggregator of bridges that you know uses hop uses connects uses other things um, and there's going to be lots of these guys i mean so many of these projects in innovation in cross-chain messaging and we're going to see like layer three is a part of that and we're just it's all going to feel like one network right so i think cross chain messaging again back to that and where we're seeing this is okay. More speed, more scalability, better constructions, easier tools, faster. This da 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 da, and more decentral- you know more decentralization in certain things that are potentially kind of have somewhat centralization. And then we have the layer threes, and you know, and and then we're there. We're we're already here, you know.
0: No, exciting, exciting. Um, I <laughs> love to hear it. Um, I want to head into the sort of closing questions now. Um, uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you before we do go a bit more broad and and not necessarily crypto explicitly. If I were to ask you uh, what one thing that you wish you knew, like before starting your whole crypto journey was, that you wish you'd known before, um, what would it be, what comes to mind? Um, Obviously you've spent a lot of time in open source, which has parallels to this space, but yeah, what's the core learning which you Mm -hmm. wish you had then?
1: Well, I I would have bought way more Ethereum. I would have sold everything to buy Ethereum, obviously. But (laughs) Um, but, yeah, no, um, it's a good question. I guess, yeah, what I wish I knew, well, I mean, it took us a long time to build all this stuff, right? It was, so that's one thing, I didn't realize how much work it was. You know, I thought I was gonna make this, I thought it was SkyWay was gonna be done in like a year or less. You know, so that was really, I underestimated the time on that. Um, so I would just go to say to people like, it is, it is a. It, you know, luckily there's a lot of, that's why the tooling and all, all this stuff is so important. And that's why we mean sequence, so we could really reduce the time Dog, everyone, right? Um, yeah. Um, I would also just say that um, I guess I also learned, well, I guess the two things I've learning, um, I mean, we always took a community approach, but I would real. I just, and luckily we did, but it, just realizing how essential it is, actually, could never build a product without a community first approach. That's like, that's a big thing. And third, marketing is actually important. Um, you know, you, you think like marketing is not important or something. I'm, just, I'm like, for me, I'm a tech guy, you know, I'm like, I'm going to build the best thing in the world. It's like, marketing doesn't matter marketing matters. If people marketing mat, people are if they don't know about you, you don't exist. Word of mouth is good for 200,000, 50,000 whatever people. You want to get to, you know, 100 million people, marketing matters.
0: Cool. All uh, all good answers. Um, no, enjoyed all of those. Um, and then yeah, I wanted to ask you, you know, you said at the start of the episode uh, during the intro that, you know, you you could essentially say you'd been in the metaverse since you're 13 once you really got absorbed by this whole world of technology and computing and programming. Um how do you reflect on our direction of travel, travel as a digital species, right? Obviously, people already post COVID and whatnot have been spending a lot of time in these worlds. But when we add the, um, you know, uh, spatial awareness dimension and the embodied internet with uh, you know, wearables and and, and sort of that world we're heading towards, like, um, yeah, how do you think about that? Um, our journey into these virtual worlds on the on the, you know, broader, longer term, perhaps through the more f- philosophical lens. I love it, dude. I love it.
1: Um, so I guess there's two parts to it when we think of metaverse, I think there, I break it into almost two things like it's experiential, right? So like you in the, in the virtual world and the fidelity in VR and different things, like we think of the metaverse in that way. And then the other part of it, um, I think of the metaverse is kind of like associating more of your identity or personality or, um, your time or your care or your friendships or your connectedness in, in these worlds, um, I'll kind of start with the the, the, the second one a little bit, um, in in that I think what I love about Web three and meta or sorry Metaverse um, is what it's doing is that it's like it's creating it's creating a, a lot of kind of influence for users, um, and as you know as, as just by like being a user of these systems you're you're a stakeholder. Um, I think that creates really deep connections. It changes a lot of behaviors, and it it really, I think the yeah. So there's that that stuff, um, which you know the, the economics and the behaviors of these things. Um, on the experiential side, I mean, even you know, obviously we work with. I think there's a, maybe perhaps like again, a, so sure, fidelity is going to get really cool. We're I'm going to be like clicking my glasses, and I'm going to be like we're going to be talking in VR, you know, and you know, and, and yeah, I'm going to like have my avatar and obviously I can authenticate with my avatar and like all of these things. But I think the metaverse is kind of like going to intertwine into the world. You know what I mean? I'm going to be authenticating into like, I don't know on an airplane. I'm going to be authenticating into the Uber. I'm going to, it's like, it's, it's that ready player one shit. Like that's that, that book was, was, was crazy innovative. Like that's, it's also true. Um, I think I'm interested. I'm excited about, and you know, experientially all those things are, I, I really think they're, they're well known. I'm really excited about to see, some of the, uh, the systems of web three and how they're going to change and change our world, um, for the better, you know, to, um, distribute influence and equality and power, um, you know, to, to make it, to make fairer, fairer systems with, with, with better voice to the actual, um, users and participants. And yeah,
0: I was like the way you're framing it. There, just also talking about like the authentication aspect with, um, you know, so you, especially as. The virtual realm sort of bleeds more into the natural world with augmented reality overlays and stuff. It's something I've been thinking about in terms of um, how easy it is to hijack an avatar, right? Like, I assume we're going to have to evolve towards this era of, um, you know, much stronger bio authentication. Obviously, we already have um, Face ID and Iris stuff, but um, I did one of those DNA tests a while back, right? And you can actually export your autosomal data and like check it out. And I was like, dude, this is like the one, one of the few codes that's completely unique to me. And I just like uploaded it in someone's fucking database. Like, um, it feels like that could all become dangerous one day. Um, but exciting to think about.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's yeah. It's crazy stuff, but yeah, it is unique and you, you, maybe people will put it on chain or something crazy within some encryption, but I don't know. I don't really recommend that. Um, but, but yeah, it's uh, pretty, pretty, no, it's, it's, it's really cool, man. It's, um,
0: yeah, everything is kind of the beginnings, these, this certainly new beginnings. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Adding had, just uh, a few questions I'm curious about now. Um, what is the most impactful book you've ever read? I
1: actually might say Seneca on the shortness of life.
0: Interesting. Really, really interesting. I haven't read it. Um, I'm aware of it. Um, but I think I will know
1: a lot of romance and philosophy. I don't, I, I love, I love philosophy. I love philosophy
0: texts. I love, uh, yeah, those are my favorites. Mm, awesome. Um, and then, favorite video game ever, which is the one that's uh, stuck with you over the years. Hmm. Well, okay.
1: Stuck with me over the years. Okay, it's good, dude. I, I've i since dude I've been playing a game called Subspace Continuum. It's, it was out, it came out in nineteen ninety five. I play it to this day. To this, I mean, I haven't played it for a few months. I'm busy, but I was playing it up like up until a couple months ago. You know, I always go back to it. I go come back in there. I start flying. If anyone plays Continuum, please message me. I'll play Continuum with you any day. Subspace Continuum. Um, incredible, incredible game. It, it's a bird's eye view. It's like a 2D game. You're a spaceship flying around, but incredible depth of mastery. Um, made by Virgin Interactive originally. I heard that the creator of that game actually went out to go make Skype. I don't know if that's just like lore or that's true, but I, that's what I heard. And the game was literally because when Virgin wasn't able to support it, someone actually, the, the community, rewrote it, ported it one for one, identically with all protocols and all services it lives to this day. It's an amazing game. I um, absolutely love it. There's like for what is a space sh- there's still leagues and squads and I was like I was obsessed with it, man. I was like I was going to mastery levels and to this day I go and I I slay some people, you know, like I'll tell you right now. So that's my game. Subspace continuing <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm looking this up right now.
1: <laughs> Dude, you gotta play it. It's on Steam. It's free. <laughs>
0: Dude, I love that. I, I another another unique one I haven't heard before. But there you go. It was uh first release, well it was created in 95 and first released on 30th of November 97. Very uh, very cool. I'll uh, I do some investigating. I'd be surprised if anyone out there in the in the in the in the void is playing yeah. Okay, I'll I'll uh, I'll explore I'll install it on my PC. Um and then uh again might include a game but perhaps beyond gaming. Um if I were to ask you sort of what comes to mind when I ask you what the most impactful digital experience you've ever had is
1: well I mean it's got to be the first time you get onto the internet right Mm. like uh the first time I had like internet access it's like you know see you later (laughs) you know see you tomorrow (laughs) and uh (laughs) that was it
0: that's cool I love that I love that um yeah I uh it seems like a pretty, pretty fun journey into into all the tech, into all the you know <clears throat> very technical side of uh, of this world. It's uh it seems like it's been good fun,
1: but but in terms of a really cool, just experience experiential thing, I really I was in Japan and I did this cool art museum thing. Um, I wish I remember the name, but it was this uh, most incredible, like digitally like immersive experience with just pure lights on a that felt like I was in a cartoon and somewhere like an Alice in Wonderland. Um, like, unfortunately, I can't remember the name, but. That was really impressive for me when I, I was I was happening that was a DevCon at the last DevCon, um, just just really cool.
0: Interesting, yeah. I am um, recently in London. I never ever leave my cave uh, usually, but um, there was the Refik Anadol um, sort of exhibition on it at, at 180 Studios, and it was one of these sensory light shows. Like all different artists had just been given the you know um, prescribed the idea of using sound and light and. I don't know, some of that stuff's pretty wild. Um, I don't know whether you're familiar with this guy's work. He, he has a series called Machine Hallucinations where he feeds super complex data sets, for example, 50 years of satellite imagery of the earth or all of our high resolution scans of Mars from Curiosity into this wicked neural net that makes these beautiful dynamic like swirling patterns. And I love the idea of machines dreaming, which is like the whole you know concept behind his, uh, his work. And so that was pretty cool. Um, but uh, maybe some maybe someone listening knows the name of the of the one in Japan. I'm sure we had lots of folks at DevCon who, who back then who will, will have been listening. But um, well, that's
1: wicked, man! I'd love to see she's dreaming as well. That sounds super crazy, cool.
0: Yeah, I'll send you the link. I'll send you the link. Um, anyway, Peter, it's been a, a pleasure having you on. Um, just for those listening, where's the best place for them to follow along, keep tabs on on you and uh, and all the work Horizon's doing?
1: Um, I guess yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter K, and from there you can find you know Horizon Games and. Um, all the various profiles of Horizon, Sequence, Skyweaver. Um, if you want to speak to me directly, I mean, you could DM me, but you can also come on Discord. Where myself and my team are, we're highly active. You can come onto the Sequence Discord. You can come onto the Skyweaver Discord, and uh, you know, just come reach out.
0: Anything you need. Awesome. Um, we'll, we'll be sure to link all of that in the show notes. Peter, thank you once again for coming on. It's been a pleasure chatting. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll all follow along uh, for the exciting journey ahead for Horizon.
1: Thank you, Piers. I really appreciate it, man. Appreciate you, you uh, bringing us here. Absolutely.
0: Have a good one, man. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please support the show by hitting subscribe on your podcast app, writing a review or sharing this episode on Twitter and even LinkedIn for the boomers. Stay tuned for the next episode. Should be out soon.